On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Loud Spot. I'm your host, Sebastian, right out of Oklahoma City. We got a great show for you tonight. We got Ava Gore joining my co-host, and then down below, we got Mr. Tommy Vext. Let's go. All right, before we start this interview, I do want to remind everyone, if you like us, and even if you don't, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on all the podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Deezer, all that good stuff. All right, Tommy Vex in the house. What's up, man? Not much, man. Just coming in live from Nashville. And uh, yeah, I I actually just did like a three-week road trip. I took my time driving over, uh, and I moved. I relocated from L.A., and so it's been a, it's been a it's been a cool trip. I got to see a bunch of people I really love and spend some time with the homies on on the way. And yeah, just relocating, restarting, dropped a new single, kind of broke the matrix with that a little bit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. What made you decide to move to Nashville? I mean, I know it's a big music town, right? But well, from LA I mean, to I, Nashville. I'm from New York originally, and I moved to L.A. in 2006 uh, when I originally got signed to Roadrunner Records and Century Mm -hmm. Media for Divine Heresy. And then I just stayed in L.A. Um, You know, I I spent in the time that I was in L.A., there was a year, I think in 2009, I lived for a year in San Francisco, didn't like it. And then in San Francisco, I don't like it there either. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's really expensive and there's not really much to do. And it's just kind of like... Yeah, it's just, it's not really, if you're not in tech, I feel like there's not really much going on up there, Um, and uh, at at least now, and then I I lived, uh, when I worked for Five Finger Death Punch, I moved to Vegas, so all 2017, I lived in Las Vegas, and then wound up coming back to LA to keep doing the Bad Wolf stuff, and uh, yeah, and I just like, I've, I've kind of been over LA for a long time, and I think after... I think California has basically been destroyed. You know, yeah. I think COVID really tore up California. Most people are moving to Austin, Nashville. They're moving to, um, you know, uh, Vegas and Phoenix. Oklahoma. They're coming to Oklahoma, too. Are <laughs> they, well, yeah, because you guys have weeds legal there. Well, not only <laughs> weeds legal. Yeah, weeds legal here, but I think we have one of the, probably the, like a lot of conservatives anyways, have. A, they're like, we don't have a huge mask mandate here. And like, I don't think there is one at all. I forget COVID even exists sometimes being out yeah. here just because of the way the laws are and people in California, especially that are real anti uh, all the COVID laws are trying to find other places to move to. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think after about 
a year of the pandemic, it was very obvious that everything was politicized, um, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where pretty much I think that I think and I don't think it's a Democrat or Republican thing. I think it's a corrupt I politician thing. And I, I think the politicians figured a way to make money off the pandemic. So they extended it. Right. So they they realized if we buy stock in Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and then we make laws that people have to get this medication, our stocks will go up and we'll use the people's tax money to fund into those companies. And they all got rich doing it. And I think in like 10 or 20 years from now, they're going to look back at this time and it's going to be one of the biggest financial scams in global history. What then would you say? Because I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but what then would you say when there are spikes in numbers and people are getting back to being hospitalized? How could you say then at that point that it it's still a scam? Is there is there some truth to it at all? Or yeah, well, I mean, if you, just- if you if you study immunology and virology, which you know, I'm just a basic guy, but I yeah, I have <laughs> I, I I am you know I do have people who work in in government that are my contacts and I have, you know, pretty, um, reputable doctors who have been on Joe Rogan and stuff like that, who I Mm -hmm. personally know who have been kind of feeding me information from a very early on time. Uh, Uh, and basically like 18 months is the end point of any pandemic in in human history on the planet. Um, Usually, usually because of herd immunity. And so, you know, I don't necessarily think, you know, I think that there's multiple factors. I think that um, I think that there's been vaccine injuries. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's like an estimated 61,000 uh, deaths have been attributed to millennials mm-hmm. in 2021 from vac- uh, in in, uh, in concert with vaccine injuries, mm-hmm. which is more than the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. which which no one's talking about. And then also. The re the reassignment of deaths by the hospitals because the hospitals were getting grants. So every right. time a person had oh, yeah. COVID, the hospital would get six thousand dollars for a positive COVID patient, and they would get forty two to forty seven thousand dollars if a person had to go on a ventilator. So the hospitals were taking in people who had regular, you know, if you look at pneumonia and the common flu, mm-hmm. it sort of disappeared during COVID. Right. Um, because I think, again, the, I think the, the doctors, uh, not, the, not necessarily the doctors and the nurses, I think that, you know, as the numbers started to die down, the hospitals realized, one, people were afraid to go to the hospital, so they weren't going. So they were losing on patients. And a lot of people died because they were too afraid to go to the hospital. You know, so they were like late screenings Dude, for cancer they, and all this other stuff. There's literally people out there that need to go to the hospital, especially in the height of 2020 that were not going like in, in the height of the COVID in 2020 that just weren't going because they were scared, so scared of yeah. even going outside their house. They'd rather just deal with whatever disease or issue they had than go to the doctors and catch catch and or not uh, and and compromise their immune, compromise themselves to catching the virus, which is yeah. which is scary. Yeah, of course. And I mean, and I understand people who have, you know, I, I, you know, I have a friend who has a heart condition and I basically in the beginning for like the first month and a half, two months, me and a couple of different people would go take turns getting his groceries because he's at risk. You know what I mean? So, you know, we would, you know, we, I think people, family and friends like in community kind of work together to, to, 
you know, if you weren't alone, you know, obviously if you were on your own, it's, it's, it's scary, but you know, to, to return to my point, I think the reassignment of pneumoniatic deaths. Um, I know people who literally, you know, I work in recovery. I've been sober for 13 years. I know people who overdosed mm. on drugs and died. And then when their parents went to get their, you know, reports, they died of COVID. They never had COVID, you know? So it's just kind of like this, there's just so, you know, there was just such a, a financial extraction done during this time. It was almost like a free for all where the, the chaos and the fear, you know, put everyone in a mm-hmm. position where they just scrambled and everyone just, you know, reached into the pot because they were cutting checks from taxes and stuff. They literally were doing government mm-hmm. funds for all this stuff. And so everyone got, a lot of people got rich off of it, unfortunately. I do want to talk about you. Oh, go ahead, Ava. Go ahead. I was going to ask um, how it's felt for you, like having such uh, strong and passionate opinions and like everyone feeling that it's controversial. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, I think lots of things were in history are considered controversial, right? Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass were controversial because they wanted to end slavery, right? right? Something that we now, we obviously know is a completely moral foundation to stand on. Anyone sure. who, if, if a person today was like, oh, uh, I believe that we should go back to slavery, you'd look at them like they were mentally ill. You're like, what? You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so I think, you know, I think during, you know, I mean, Martin Luther King Jr. was controversial because when he came out and said that black people should have, you know, equal rights and we should be able to share water fountains and share the country, you know, people, it was like, Oh my God, you know, but now that's obvious. What a con, what a crazy concept to have. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think like, I think the, you know, obviously because I've been very outspoken about, you know, it's not so much opinions. I just ask questions and I want to have dialogue that leads to answers. Um, You know, I got, you know, pretty much lambasted. You know, I got attacked, you know, and then, uh, you know, I got canceled and, you know, I've had lawsuits with former band members, record labels, Mm -hmm. like friendships of 20 years broken up, never to be repaired, you know. Uh, that's such bullshit too it's like i mean that happened to a lot of people though you know it's not just you i mean a lot of people lost friends and family members over the whole division this leads me though to your song trust the science and you know i gotta say i watched this video as soon as i watched the video i messaged dean i was like is that you sitting in that chair and he was like yeah that's me sitting in the chair so i i saw that right away right away dean dean's a really cool dude man. i'm happy he was he was in the song and and you know, the song itself is okay. How about this? Do you are all your songs now that you are, I guess, is it like a solo artist or do you have a band still? It's with the, the Lone Wolf, right? The, the Lone Wolf is like the the band, you know, and okay. so I, have a, I, I put together a, a five piece band and, you know, we went on tour last year just under Tommy Vex and I did a headlining run last summer. Uh, you know, it was, it was wild, man. Like I was the first artist in the world to go on tour since COVID. So I went out and I did a Texas run in April and we sold out all our shows. And then I did like free meet and greets every night because I had already gotten COVID and I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask people to come out to a show if I'm not going to put myself at risk too, because Mm -hmm. I, 
I don't believe that that's fair. So I I was confident having had COVID that, mm-hmm. you know, it was a flu-like thing. And this is something that as touring musician, we get sick every year. Like yeah. we do meet and greets, we meet people, we travel all over the world, we get bugs, you know, and then we, but the show must go on. It's like, I've never in my life ever seen um, the touring world just shut down because, the, you know, of a flu and which, which eventually COVID turned out to just be, you know, which is, which is kind of what it is now. Um, and, you know, it had to run its course. And so, uh, yeah, like touring was really eye opening because that's where I really truly saw the politic the politicization of COVID because every place that we played the mandates and the rules and everything had to do with who was in control of those cities and states. Mm, Yep. So that's when you're like, huh, you know, and then you, you know, even on a global level, you'll have, you had like the UK abolished all the mandates and, you know, Canada Trudeau had like police officers beating up old ladies at the trucker rallies. You know what I mean? That's crazy, man. Do, do you feel do you do you feel that you have more free range to write to write what you want to write now um, with with your with the new band, the new setup? Was there any was there any other time when you were in Bad Wolves where you wanted to write something and the band was like, "Dude, we're not putting that shit out there. Don't write that." Does that ever happen to you? No, because no one in Bad Wolves writes the songs. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So you can't. So like me and the drummer, the form is were business partners, and Uh the other three guys were hired guns. They don't play on the albums. They don't write the songs. Oh, okay, okay. okay. No, they're just. It's like Nine Inch Nails. They're like me and me and John were like Trent Reznor. Yeah, and those 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 guys just play what we tell them to. And so, you know, for most of the Bad Wolves hit songs, I co-wrote with uh, with a guy named Drew Folk. Um, I've also co-written with with guys like Scott Stevens, or you know, uh, so uh, yeah. I even even remember when it was written by Drew Folk, and even Zoltan Bathory had a hand in writing that song too, musically. So, you know, we had, and then we had a studio guitar player, this guy Max Karen from uh, Once Human, and he, him and John wrote all the heavy tunes together. So he would play a guitar and John would play drums and they would flush out all the heavy tunes. So it, nobody really had a say. Uh-huh. Um, and, and nobody really even looked too deeply into the lyrics. If you think about it, if you look at disobey, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the songs like, you know, officer down is a very controversial song talking mm-hmm. about the two sides of, of what's been going on of how the media portrays law enforcement versus the percentage of cops who actually we need, right. You know, we actually need police reform and it's a very complex thing. And I, you know, I support law enforcement Mm -hmm. and I have family in law enforcement, but I also do know that there's a tiny percentage of cops who are bad and the police that are good hate the bad cops more than people really even know. That's really anywhere you go. That's really mm-hmm. anywhere you go, but the media is going to focus on the negative, obviously, to create a story so they get more ratings and well, they they get, make more they money make, for, for their They shows. make money out of it, and then every election, they 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 trump up the race card to try to get because the 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 Democrats believe that they own the minorities, mm-hmm. you know, and and that and it's traditional to their party because they are the party that fought against freeing yeah, slaves. They're the party that fought against Jim Crow law. They're the party that 
started the KKK. I mean, they are the white supremacist party and historically in this nation. So it's, it's, I think they just got smarter and they don't outright say like, Oh, we hate spikes and niggers. Like they don't talk like that. They, they look at people like me and they're like, how can I use a minority person to vote for me or to how can I emotionally manipulate them mm. to to make my opponent look like they're bad? And that's so been going on, that's been going on for that's been going on um, forever, yeah, for quite a while. Yeah. Ava, did you have a question you want to ask before? Uh, I'm, we are no. going to play this song uh, well, in a little bit. I had Go a question I was going to, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that uh, even if someone didn't want you to put out something, you don't seem like the type of person to be like, oh, okay, you know, like, <laughs> you just put out what you want. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was threatened. Uh, you know, I mean, I got death threats last in 2020. You know, I was threatened by plenty of people in the industry. I was warned. You know, they they do everything. They they first they t- first they try to like, oh well, you know, think about these opportunities, or like they try to be, like, oh, we're going to give you opportunities to do this and have money and da da da. They basically just want to control you and make sure you don't say anything that. Ca- that causes people to think yeah you know what i mean and so you know ultimately i, I i'm just i'm gonna be me like i'm not i'm not you know the thing with me is like wicked men hate incorruptible men there's nothing that can be done to me that's gonna make me abandon or abuse my value system mm-hmm. uh you know and that's just how that's just how it is like i i've that's just how I am. So it's, it makes me a difficult artist to work with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one wants to work with that. I don't, don't want to work with that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's easier for them. A lot of them, like, they keep their, they keep their, uh, you know, artists on drugs. They keep them on drunk. They keep them, like, in a haze. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they keep them broke. And that's how mm-hmm. they control them. And I'm like, I'm financially solvent. I have, you know, multiple streams of revenue. Um, I came into Bad Wolves already having a very successful business. Um, I've been sober 13 years. Like, there's no way to make me do something I don't want to do. Can I borrow you know five bucks? Can I borrow yeah. five bucks? <laughs> Yo, gas is high, bro. Take 10. Yeah, I know, dude. Right, let's, let's play a song, Trust the Science. Right now, we got the music video pulled up. I totally forgot to tell you we're going to do that. We're going to play it on the show, and then we're going to continue the conversation. And then after the conversation, I want to talk about being a sobriety coach. Let's check this out. Here we go.
you fully awake and see that your liberties are what's really at stake. After emails leak, proving Fauci is fake. 800 thou to the Wuhan labs. Another four mil with the study and facts. Doc said it himself, ain't no point in the match. But I'm mad at top facts when I ask. Just trust the side of where you stand <laughs> that shit fucking hits so hard dude you guys can see me but i'm over here like just fucking rocking out man that bro look not trying to suck up but that shit's fucking hard dude that's all i gotta say that's all i gotta say but when dean got poked in the head i wonder if that hurt him when like the guy was like the the was it the other the what, oh the other, dean's pretty uh, tough bro dean's a big dude yeah dude does everyone in your band need to be super fucking jacked to be that in was your one skinny guy there was one skinny well, guy. The, 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 when I put the band together, I basically, you know, I, I've been, I didn't want to be in a band with a bunch of alcoholic drug addicts again, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, the thing with people who are like, who who are out of shape and drinking and doing drugs on tour is they're, they're unhappy and their yeah. bodies hurt. And so, and they complain a lot and then they resent, like, I like people would resent me for not, you know, waking, I wake up in the morning and go to the gym mm-hmm. and I just, I just like, my bass player actually is my old gym partner. So he, we worked out together anyway in LA and, uh, and then, um, my guitar player, Dusty is, he works out and he does, uh, he's an MMA guy. He does Brazilian jujitsu. And then my, and my drummer obviously is a, like an amateur bodybuilder guy. And then me being in the band. What's that? <laughs> I said, there goes me being in the band. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, about being, it's about being healthy, man. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, we're, we're, uh, yeah, I, I want to do this for a long time. You know, you look at guys like, like for example, Joe Rogan's like, what is he, fifty five years old? He looks like he's twenty seven. You know, I just want to, yeah, you know, I want to be 20, healthy. Twenty eight, maybe. I don't know about twenty seven. Yeah, I don't think he might. No, like he's ripped though. Like his. Oh he's, yeah, he's for in sure. shape. Yeah, like not his face. I mean, obviously he's like. Looks like <laughs> 
It's fixing, you know, it's but it, it's just about lasting longer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be sure. doing this like Ozzy and Alice Cooper and when I'm 70. And I, you can't do that if you're eating Burger King and sniffing cocaine every day. It just don't, it don't work. <laughs> what, what, made you, what made you decide that you wanted to be a sobriety coach? What brought you into that? Because that's, that's very cool. I didn't want to bring that up and ask you about that. Well, you said you've been sober for 13 years. So. Yeah, yeah, so but is, that, is that what made you decide that? You wanted to help others, though, because you're, you're helping other people, right, when you're a sobriety coach. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, that's what your job is. So I started um, – well, I when I was about five or six years sober, I got a job running a, re, a men's rehab facility in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And so I lived at the house most – like half the week, and um, I had – I had like had to cook for everybody and clean and do all the stuff and like create the programs. And I had like a, I had a really good success rate with, with, you know, reaching these guys. And, um, it's funny. Like one of the guys who was at the house, he, we still text like all these years later and he's done, you know, a lot of these, like, it's great to see people who are, who, you know, take, a new lease on their life. And, yeah. and, you know, it's like a miracle you see, because you see them come in all twisted up and all drugged out. And then, you know, they, they have these big full lives and start families and businesses and become successful. And, you know, I, so I was doing that for a while. I was doing that. And then my boss who owned the place, he heard my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was speaking at an event um, as I was just, you know, vol- a volunteer speaker at a, at, at another rehab facility and, you know, you heard the story about how my brother murdered me and I stayed sober and like had to go into witness protection and, you know, all that stuff. And then I read that. Yeah. Yeah. And so he he basically took me under his wing, started training me. They, I got certified and, um, you know, then I started working as a live in sober coach. So I was living with celebrities for 30 to 60 days of their their early sobriety um, as a coach, almost like a like an in-house counselor. Uh-huh. And it was pretty cool. It was a, you know, I, I worked with people like Justin Bieber, and I worked with some athletes and actors. And um, yeah, it's it's an intense job. Um, but it how also, good how good how good does it feel when you see someone from the beginning and you know you've influenced their lives and kind of maybe pivoted their path in a different direction, and you see them, you know, a few years later and they're completely clean. Like, does that make you feel good knowing that you had something to do w- with you know, yeah, with it? yeah it's it's uh you know it's it's deeply gratifying it was it was actually it was difficult to go back to being a full-time musician after i was Mm. had such a successful career as a coach um and i think because of the extraordinary circumstances of my story uh a lot of people who who are very famous or they think they're too special to get sober um, and so, you know, I offer them a different perspective of like, Hey, cool. you know, you're going through this and you think you can't get clean. Like imagine going through this and they're like, Holy shit, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, I've seen a lot of miracles happen. And so, yeah, it was, it's a, you know, I don't, I haven't, haven't worked one-on-one with clients, um, since the band blew up almost because I can't be anonymous anymore. Cause I used mm. to travel with these people and they would just think I was security or something. They would go, oh, who's this big guy? <laughs> You know, so, um, you know, and so, and also it's, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I did that and I would like to open a rehab, you know, one day that's kind of mm-hmm. one of my goals. I'd like to open up a facility. Cool, and, man. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like to, 
you know, do something where uh, I could do like, you know, See, where it, it could be free. You know, that's you know, a thing. It's very expensive. I got to make a point that, you know, people, people tend to choose sides when it comes to things like politics, right? But sure. until you really know somebody such as yourself who's doing all these empowering things and great things for other people, there's a whole nother side of you there that some people may just point a finger like, no, I don't like him for this and this. But if you really got to know you, I'm sure there's a million other things they really could relate to you about besides just your one view that you have. So when I meet people in the oppositions of especially politically, um, which I don't really even talk politics, I think this is the first time on the show I've ever really had a political conversation. I tend to stay away from it. Sure. You know, when I meet someone though, I if if I know they disagree with me, I find something else. What do you like music? Do you I like playing ping pong? Do you like ping pong? Do you like watch basketball? I love watching basketball. There's other things we can talk about besides that. And you know, people are gonna have their opinions about you one way or the other, but at the end of the day, dude, they don't even know you. So why does it even matter what they think? Do you do you have bands that don't want to play or and you're still kind of new with, with the lone wolf? Have you reached out to bands that are like, no, nah, I don't really want to do a show with with Tommy and his group because of your stance on anything? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know, and I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, <laughs> you know, you got to look at it like this. Like, you know, before before I you know said anything political or questioned COVID or anything, everybody loved me. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I like I helped save Ivan Moody's life. And yeah, you know I mean, and then he turned around and talked shit about me after the fact. You know, God, what I mean? dang, man, I've like sad. I've been, you know, like Randy from Lamb of God is one of my my dearest friends. I love him to death. We have completely opposing political ideas. And, you know, he, like when he got arrested in Czech Republic, I started a men's group online of all the sober musicians so that he could if he read his emails he could get recovery you know you know recovery help and just be able to communicate um while he was like locked up because we didn't know exactly what his status was mm -hmm. you know and then when i started talking about my political beliefs you know he messaged me i was like hey man like no like it's not an offense but i can't follow you on social media anymore and i was like okay that's so stupid when people do things like that it's like have you you know it's a. It's because. Well, look. It's because th people are so. Um, you know, this is what people. The problem is people are so deeply in rooted in their political beliefs that they've turned it into a religion, and there's yeah. no room for the middle. Like I'm not a diehard conservative. I, like, I've talked about this plenty of times. Like mm. you know, I have like. I don't think abortion should be illegal. I think that's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think a woman should choose should have a choice to do it with her body whatever she wants. But I also believe in personal responsibility. I don't I'm not I don't believe in socialism. You mm -hmm. know, and I I don't think socialized medicine as, as mandatory socialized medicine is a good uh, form of of healthcare. Right? I think that for certain people they should have social programs where they can get the help they want. Yeah. But we shouldn't do away with private medicine because. If you make more money and you want to pay for better health care, you should be allowed to pay for better. You know what I mean? It's like telling everybody they can only drive one kind of car. I, th um, I think I, I think I've agreed with every single thing you said um, on the show. You know, still, I mean, I, I preach this myself to my friends personally. You know, I, I, I'm the same way. I, I, I'm a common sensor, I guess, if you will. I believe yeah, in yeah. common sense, and people need help, and I understand that. And, and anyways, 
Um, well, I think I think a lot of people, you know, I think the media just went and they were like, oh, he's a Trumper and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, I supported Trump in the 2020 election because I did extensive research on Joe Biden. Right. 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 I know who I know everything about the Biden family, everything. I'm a nerd. So, like, if you're going to run for office, I'm going to look you up. Now, what do I know about Trump? Um, you know, he's an asshole. He is a fucking he's got a rough personality. He says fucking crazy shit on the Internet. You know what I mean? Like, these are not good things. But also at the same time, you know, we had a we had a, like we had a cool president for eight years. Right. Like. Obama was mad cool. Yeah. And he, he he made everybody feel like shit was cool. Now, I don't really agree with his, a lot of his policies, but I think he was good at he was great at being presidential. As a person, you'd probably get along with them more than or you'd probably a, yeah, a yeah. genuinely nice guy to, to talk to. But but Trump as a president, the economy was better under Trump than it was under Obama. And the policies that Trump put into place, like, the, you know, for the African-American communities, creating opportunity zones, all these things that he did, he actually did a lot of good, and it got overshadowed by his asshole personality. Now, Joe Biden, on the other hand, it's obvious that Joe Biden has a degenerative brain disease, first of all. <laughs> it's not funny. He's, he's like, like, okay, if, if, you, if he wasn't a politician and he was a mechanic— and you tried to make him go to work every day and be a mechanic. Someone could call the police on you for elderly abuse. Yeah, well, he's because like eighty. He, he's like eighty. 80 he's got Alzheimer's. Yeah, he's old. And he he's needs to. Guy. He he should be retired. This yeah. man can't. And and the fact that you know Putin is moving into Ukraine and all these other world leaders, they know he's weak, and so the world is imbalanced because he's pathetic. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't have even let him run. You know, they want they should have just ran Kamala or Elizabeth Warren or, you know, it's like there's plenty of other people. Bloomberg, this there were tons of other competent politicians who could have went toe to toe with Trump because so many people didn't like him because of his personality. But the bottom line is that it, I was 100 percent correct in my act in my accuracy and depictions of what would it be like if Biden was president. Yeah. And he he is. He's the worst president in in American history, on paper. Like, I, yeah, I, was gonna say, I think the polls agree with that. Yeah, I I, I quit following the news because I was so tired of seeing arguments over Republican Democrats. I was like, I'm gonna focus on music, do a podcast, and I'm gonna say the hell with it on there. And and that's what I personally we like need to do. A, we need a new party. That's what there, it is. There, there needs to be one. If you start one, let me know, and I, I'll probably join. Um, yeah. okay. are, are all your songs? We got. We're gonna get off here in just a little bit. I want you to answer though. Um, are all your songs that you're writing now? Um, are they all kind of politically driven or or? or no. no, they're no. all. Everything's always been autobiographical, as it always been. You know, there's a there's a song coming out on the record that'll probably come out in June or July about. My, you know, I tr I attempted to commit suicide um, in mm. 2011 or 12 after I, about a month after I testified against my twin brother and he got 20 years in jail. Mm. I just got hit with like a wave of shame and regret and depression. And it was so unbearable. I was going to jump in front of a train and I got a phone call on the platform from some kid who needed to get sober and he was crying and the train was coming into the station I was supposed to jump in front of 
and I, instead I got on the train and I met the kid and then wow. I became a sponsor and I helped him get sober. Wow, man. It saved my life. So, you know, there's, there's, you know, this, the whole album, uh, is, it's called Grand Theft Audio because some of my songs have been stolen. I read a little bit about that. I wasn't well, going to yeah, bring yeah. it up. I mean, you could just, it's, it's just, it's all comedy at this point. It's like, that's yeah. how you know you're, you're doing something right when you're, when your shit is so hot that people have to steal your shit and, and, you know, and, but I take it as flattery. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever's clever. Um, it reminds me of a falling in reverse a little bit, just a little bit. I don't know if you know about their story, but kind of a little bit, a little bit. Falling yeah, in reverse yeah. In there. Uh, yeah. Any any new shows that you have planned already? That uh, any tours lined up right now? Yeah, well, I'm in the process of booking a tour with Adelita's Way for the summer, so we'll be doing a full U.S. tour. I think five weeks, sometime starting in. A, mid to late July or early August, and then uh, depending on what's going on with Europe, we're looking to go to UK and Europe um, afterwards in the fall. Cool, Ava. You, yeah. you didn't say anything. You got something? You got something before we get off? Here? Yeah, I was gonna say to end things on a lighter note. Um, with the amount of touring that you've done, like, what's the craziest story that you have? The craziest story? Uh, I mean, there's a couple. I mean, one of the one of the most profound conversations I had was uh, I played a show in, in Massachusetts in 2019, and this father, he literally broke into the backstage area with his 14 year old daughter, and she still had her she had bracelets on. She had come from the hospital, and she had just gotten discharged for attempting suicide. She cut her wrists, Ooh. and so I was her favorite artist, and the dad wanted me to talk to her. And the security and everyone grabbed them and tried to throw them out. And I like stopped them. And I, you know, we went back behind the stage and I just sat there and I mostly just listened, you know, and it was, it was crazy. Cause this guy was like this big tattooed, tough dad, you know, kind of guy. And he's, he was just crying cause he was so afraid for his daughter. And like, I don't know why anyone would pick me to talk to, but you know, I told her what I did and I told her what I went through and, you know, I told her to start a journal and, you know, and I gave him some resources and stuff for like therapy and family therapy. And what, you know what I'm telling you, what, a I mean, just the heart you have just seems so big, man. And that is just absolutely incredible. Just the stories that you say, especially about stuff like this, regardless of what people may think about politically and all this and that, as a common sense, your, your, your heart is just is in the right place. And that is not something you find with every, everybody that you meet. With most people, you don't find that. No, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Well, that's what they say. They're like, in recovery, we say religion is for people who are scared to die and go to hell. And spirituality is for people who have already been through hell. Oh, I like that. You I know? like that. Well, I got to thank you for being on, on the show. Thank you so much. Please stay Thanks right there. Till, stay right there till after the outro song plays. Please. Thank you very much. I do want to thank everybody who listens to the loud spot. Tommy Vex, you've been fantastic. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check us out on all podcasting platforms. Once again, Apple, Spotify, just found out we were on Pandora. I didn't know that, but we are. So the, and we got a Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash the loud spot. $3 is all we ask for a month. It really helps us out. That's all the time we got for today. Peace out, rock on, and much love. This is the Loud Spot outro by Nothing Short of Tragic. Is this all talk with no action? No. 
Is this my thoughts with distraction? No. Is this what I bought that's in fashion? Or is this the loud spot with Sebastian? Yes. There's nothing short of tragic having back again. Yes. Does everything that's good really have to end? Yes. A pin post has a pin show, so to get more episodes, make an order, this is over. Thanks for watching our video. Don't forget to click the like and share button. Don't forget to go to our YouTube and subscribe. If you want to listen to our audio and pick up some cool merch, go to www.theloudspot.net. Peace out, rock on, much love. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.